In this episode, I got the opportunity to sit down and talk to Lee Essner, who is the principal lead of accessibility at Worldwide Technology. He's also a user experience designer. And through his methodical words, we were able to explore diversity within design, accessibility, and his involvement in design and how he became a designer. I really and truly hope you enjoy the difference of opinion and the different individuals that we bring on the podcast to speak to you about design from their perspective. Take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Unconference, a design plus diversity podcast about diversity, design, and the marriage in between, where we will chat about design plus diversity and all the things related whether you are a designer or a design hobbyist in many of its adjacent or subfields we're here to break down all of the details and solve the hard problems with you i'm tim hikes okay so let's just jump directly in here at the very beginning how did you end up getting into this path as a designer and then how did that evolve into UX designer and pretty much uh, leading the being the principal consultant for accessibility at Worldwide? Let's hear this story. I think it's going to be very interesting and I'm looking forward to it. Could you tell us how did you get here? Sure. So uh, it's it's really kind of interesting how everyone's story can be so different of, of how you can get into your career. So for me, it actually started really, really young. But I didn't know it at the time. So uh, when I was probably about four or five years old, uh, I had a, a huge interest in baseball cards, as you know, lots of people do. It's certainly nothing unique there. Uh, but what was different with me was I wanted to make my own. I wasn't satisfied just <laughs> collecting baseball cards. And so I remember uh, I would start with I would have a baseball card, like a, a physical one in my hand, and I try to copy it. And then I would try to, of course, just make my own from scratch from there. Uh, and I would, you know, give these out to gifts to my parents and grandparents <laughs> and such, of course. Um, and, and that's really where it started, actually, was I wanted to make my own baseball cards. And so uh, from there, when I got into uh, to grade school and middle school, I got a program of something called Adobe Photo Deluxe, which is mm. actually a precursor of Photoshop. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's, it's been a few years um, since that happened. And, and so my brother got a copy for me and uh, he always jokes that, you know, he's the, the greatest artistic influence in my life because he has zero artistic ability and donated it all to me. And so this is another another instance of that. It was, it was really kind of him that he got a copy for me. And that was really my first introduction of design. Uh, and it was still actually back to baseball cards. I wanted to make my own baseball cards. Uh, this is when uh, it was really for the first time accessible to like have pictures of whatever baseball players in my case on the internet readily available and so i would you know find a picture of some of my favorite players and i would save them on my little floppy disks and i would use photo deluxe to cut out the background and make my own baseball card that way and that was really the the beginning of my my design kind of career Uh, but what's interesting with that too is uh you know baseball is, is so diverse. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's what this, this podcast is about. And I kind of backed into diversity in an odd way, too, now that I think about it, because uh, 
while baseball cards were, were the reason that I actually learned to read, my parents were really kind of concerned because I had zero interest in learning to read until <laughs> I discovered baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have you know, a distinct memory of being in kindergarten. And I knew that J-U-A-N was Juan and J-O-S-E was Jose. And none of the other kids knew that. <laughs> and I remember my teacher like laughing at me and saying, "You're right." When I would when I would say like, "No, no, the J doesn't only you know be like jolly or jellyfish. It could be Jose." And she just kind of like laughed. So it's funny the things that that you look back on in your life, how they might have influenced you, and you of course had absolutely no idea at the time. <laughs> so so that's just kind of my my very very beginning into the, this idea of design and, and create i guess i always had this this uh just innate desire to create something anything and so uh in college i, I had a traditional degree i actually have a graphic design degree because that's what was available at the time there was no such thing as a as a user experience or any kind of those uh, related designs that exist today uh, so I've been at Worldwide for about seven years now, and my previous role was in advertising. I worked for some some really big companies doing uh, all kinds of different advertising, but traditional things, mm-hmm. lots of print design, billboards, posters, that kind of stuff, uh, and of course, websites. But I found that, at least for me, graphic design is fun, but it's not really fulfilling. And yeah. so that's why I really like Worldwide is I like communicating, I like diving in deep, I like solving problems. And that's really what's so interesting, in my opinion, is solving problems. Because at the end of the day, we're really communicators. Mm-hmm. You can communicate in lots of different ways, of course. But as designers, that's what we're trying to do more than anything. And I like with UX, there's ways to actually measure, are you being efficient? Are you successful at how you're communicating? Uh, which I think is really cool. And so that's something that that's really drawn that to me. That's pretty cool. And so that led you into your current role now as the design lead and principal consultant for accessibility. So how did you transition from getting into worldwide technology and being user experience designer and then transitioning and adding this additional responsibility? Yeah, so that's a great question because I think in a lot of ways, the UX in general, uh, you you simply have to account for as many variables as you can. Like mm-hmm. making graphics look cool is, is great and interesting, but like we just said, it's really about communicating. And so how do you know if you're communicating or not? Well, a few years ago, with the help of Kate Chata, as you mentioned, uh, I really started to understand what accessibility is and, and trying to get this idea of um, just making things open to everyone. And so by doing that, the more, I, the, the more it's one of those things, the more I learned about, the more interested I became in it, uh, and more importantly, the more passionate I became for it. And so what I mean by that is accessibility means that lack of accessibility results in people not having access. So it's, it's not necessarily making things available for people that don't have access already it's more of trying to just allow as many people as possible to experience what they can and so for me personally that comes from um, my own background again so i went to catholic school my entire uh, my entire life grade school and and, uh, high school and there's a huge emphasis on caring for the poor and catholic social justice Um, there's really this expectation that helping people isn't the nice thing to do it's the expectation. That's mm-hmm. what you should do. 
you don't get a pat on the bat for doing what's right. <laughs> That's just what's expected of you. Right. And so accessibility in, in a lot of ways was that exact same kind of idea. It, it's You don't get a pat on the bat for doing what I think you should do anyway, which is trying to, to go out of your way to help everyone have this experience. And so really trying to empathize with other people. And so, uh, you know, we, we each have, like I said, if we have this obligation to each other, you know, you and I are in UX and, and we love it and it's great and, and there are certain responsibilities, but, you know, we're also not helping people the way that like a healthcare worker does, you know, very physically saving people's lives quite literally, or, you know, a lawyer fighting for people who can't fight for themselves legally, you know, those kind of things. Well, this is a way that we can do our part though, and that we can help by, uh, you know, if you think all of the things that the modern world has to offer, if you're shut out of that, that is a a huge, huge deficit. And so that's a way that we can help people um, be part of communities and be part of, of really the world and society as a whole. I want to jump a little bit more into accessibility. So what are some things off the top of your head, you know, that you can say that are like really important when trying to design for accessibility? Yeah, I think, um, so I think first and foremost, it's, understanding what accessibility is, which is mm-hmm. making making things open to all. That, that's really what we're trying to get at with accessibility. And so from a, a sort of nuts and bolts perspective, um, making sure code is just written in a way that allows screen readers to read it is really the main thing. So fortunately, the any kind of a modern browser has some things built in uh, for HTML and CSS to just pick up on it. So if you can write HTML in according with specs, it's amazing how far that'll get you. Um, if you're writing code for, uh, you know, Swift or Java Kotlin, if you're writing for native apps, you know, Google and Apple have, have spent decades working on things to make sure that uh, they're writing accessibly. So some of it is just the discipline to make sure that you're not going out on a limb. Uh, it really does matter how you write the code. So it might look the same to sighted people, for example, but if you rely on a screen reader, it can be an incredibly different experience. And so keeping that top of mind that not everyone is like me, just because you can see well and you can hear well and you know all the other, other uh, abilities doesn't mean that everyone else can. So not making those assumptions. Diversity and inclusion is... Very important. And having these meaningful conversations could be something as simple as uh, me saying the one thing and being educated in the moment. Um, I tell people that pronouns is an example of someone letting you know them, they, that could lead to a conversation about what that means. And on larger thoughts, Lee, let's talk about diversity and inclusion. And what are your thoughts on diversity? Well, the most, I wish this was obvious, but I guess it, it, for me personally, it's diversity is a gift. Uh, it, it's something that I don't think I'm in any way unique in that perspective, but I haven't heard that as often as I would like. Having different perspectives is the best way to grow. I, I don't think, in my mind at least, that's not really even controversial. I think I, I see that more of as a fact. And so whenever you're able to have all these different perspectives, and and again, in any way, whether that's race or gender or or anything, whatever it is that that you have, basically don't get a group of people together that look the exact same, that came from the same background, whatever that is. Uh, 
um, it's it's really the best way to have better results. Uh, and of course, there's been all kinds of studies on this too. I don't think this is only my my own personal experience. I think there's been lots of studies around the world on this. And so really, it, it's a gift. That's how I can, I think, sum it up is diversity is uh, is really a gift, the best way that we're able to together grow anything. Uh, I think I've experienced this firsthand uh, countless times, to be honest. So I learned in my career that you know the, the best way to get from being just a, a good designer to a great designer or getting from kind of mid-level to a more senior level really wasn't so much to do with my skills as a designer. What it had to do with was my skills in empowering people around me to provide feedback and coaching. That's what really made the difference. And that's all about diversity, specifically going out of my way to show whatever I'm working on to different people, to showing it to uh, not only other designers, but people specifically who aren't designers going out of my way to make that kind of uh, kind of call. So really taking diversity and embracing it has made me better, both my personal life, but even my professional life. And so at the end of the day, if I show someone what I'm working on and they haven't made any recommendations to make it better, and and I don't think it's actually gotten any any change or evolution from what I showed them, the first thing that I always do actually is I step back and I think, okay, did I explain that well? Because the answer is probably not. If I wasn't able to empower someone to help whatever it is, uh, you know, help make a recommendation for whatever it is I'm working on, it's probably more on me than on them. Because like you said, everyone's a designer. They, they really are. Now, of course, some people have different backgrounds and, and of course, that, that lead them in, in specific ways. But that doesn't mean they can't help in some way, shape or form. And so that's really the core of diversity is it's not questioning if others can provide value. It's embracing the truth that different perspectives will provide value and then doing everything that you can to pull that out of them and empower those around you to, to give those really good uh, perspectives. You just said something I thought that was so thoughtful. Moving from beginning to like mid-tier really took a lot of feedback and coaching and that helped you get to the next level. I think that's very important to hear because I do hear a lot about people wanting to know how they get out of like that middle level and really move up. And I think it was really great to hear you say that, especially from the lens of diversity. Thank you. Yeah, that's something I've talked about an awful lot in recent years is, you know, it's really easy to understand I'm I'm really young in my career and I have I can have lots of people around me can help. You know, we were all young in that career once, right? And then on the opposite spectrum, the really senior people, I've been doing this for over a decade. You know, I, I'm really really strive. Uh, I'm really thriving here. Everything's good. So you got the really senior person. That middle group is huge. And it's really difficult to tell where am I in that middle group. I know I certainly felt that way when I was there. It's like, I don't really know how good I am. And so, again, helping, helping me uh, even understand where I was, was I asked a lot of other people. Basically, I tried to build relationships to to get a good sense of, hey, what is it that I'm doing well and what am I not doing well? And then that helped me then show my work to them. And then I could see it. I could see my work getting better. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have come up with that solution if I hadn't shown them. And so being able to have those skills is what really helped me. Uh, and I think that's part of it. Because again, being a really good just designer, for example, 
is only part of being a really senior level designer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> so it's it's 2020 and we hear now more than ever, there are a lot of people who are like screaming about diversity. We heard a lot of screaming last year, especially when it came from um, the Design Plus Diversity Conference. I definitely know I was hearing a lot of people really pushing different concepts of diversity and being more inclusive, how to make our working environments more inclusive with different people. And as Kate said it in the previous podcast, she said inclusivity is very important. And that's what she thinks people are not talking more about. So the question to you is, why do you think people now, more than ever, it's screaming diversity? Yeah, so that's... Uh, it's a really complicated question. So I'll start with maybe the roots, I guess. So I think there's there's two kind of main types of excluding people, in my opinion. One is just a, a really passive way of exclusivity. So lack of knowledge. Everyone has biases. Everyone, that includes me, uh, that we simply don't see. And so a lot of, of, I truly believe a lot of people are really well-meaning. They're trying to be good. They're trying to do the right thing, but they simply have never had to deal with these issues straight on. They have grown up in in a scenario where everyone kind of looked like them and in the same background. And so uh, it was just not really an issue. And a lot of times you don't even know it um, because you've never really been challenged with it. The second form, though, is is much more actively ignoring people. Uh, people trying really hard to say, hey, look, this is wrong. This is a problem. We need help here. Uh, everyone can improve here. And for far too long, um, people of color have been actively ignored, to be honest. Um, I think this is where stereotypes come in. This is where profiling comes in. Uh, and it works both ways, of course. It works all around. You know, there's. It's not that people who are in a minority don't have have forms of uh, excluding people as well, because of course we all do. But uh, but I think there is a responsibility to make sure that we're looking at ourselves and trying to do everything that we can to be like, you know what, this is just wrong. Profiling is wrong. Stereotypes are wrong. And we need to get away from that. And so I think maybe for the first time ever, people are actually listening as people of color are yelling. Uh, and clearly there's a long way to go. But I think for the first time in, a, in maybe ever, or at the very least a very long time, there's a movement of people who are like, you know what? No, it's okay to say what I've done is wrong. I'm going to improve it instead of just trying to fight back and be like, no, no, it's fine and doubling down. Um, so I think that's maybe one reason we're seeing a lot of, of um people, uh, as you said, screaming for diversity. Here we've heard a lot from you today. I mean, I think there's a lot of important things that you hit on today as we you know, talked about you and your your work, the teams that you lead at Worldwide uh, Technology. I was definitely interested in a couple of quotes around, you know, moving from that middle position, you know, moving over. Uh, I've a huge advocate of feedback. I didn't get nearly as much feedback <laughs> until I got to this moment in my life. So I've, I've 
definitely was happy that we were able to hear that from you. But uh, most importantly, hearing about accessibility and your thoughts on diversity, you know, and as a white man in the design community, I feel there's a new emphasis that we should be placing in the design community to hear from this group of people, because we for so long have, especially for the past at least three, four years, we've cutting them out and say, oh, no, you know, you're a cis white male. And let's hear from these other people because we don't think that they have the floor. But I think there's lots of advocacy in that and hearing from everybody because everybody has a unique position that could help solve the thing. And I tell people all the time that we can't do this alone. Black people weren't marching by themselves. It took a community to help change laws and to change things. So I think it's really important that we do hear from important people in our design community, such as you, who have experience with dealing with different magnitudes of people and different issues within the community. And I really appreciate what you do within our organization and uh, the new role of being the principal consultant of accessibility. So I'm going to, I talk forever. <laughs> so I'm going to stop talking. Uh, any final thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, well, thank you again for having me. I, I appreciate it. I think, uh, I think you're spot on in, in so many ways. It does take everyone coming together, no matter what it is. Um, like you said, you're right. People of all races and genders march and stand up for each other. And so with accessibility specifically, Essentially, all that I'm trying to do is empower people who already want to do the right thing, because I truly believe most people are like that. Most people really do want to do the right thing. They just might not know how and they might need a little guidance on how, you know, when in, in our world of um, writing code, I think so many people are not writing code thinking I am specifically going to exclude people who have to use a screen reader. Of course they're not. No one is doing that. It's just our responsibility to each other to make sure it stays top of mind uh, and and just help them understand. It's like, no, we really do need to make sure to remember this. And so it's not necessarily anyone actively, you know, twirling their evil mustache or anything. It's more about just making sure it stays top of mind and then lowering the barrier of entry for each other to allow that to happen easily. Okay, cool. Uh, if there's anybody listening out there who want to uh, contact you, contact Lee, not me, uh, to hear more, how can they contact you? <laughs> uh, easy way would be like LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't do a whole lot of social media, actually. Um, and then just sending an email to my uh, worldwide email account would also be great. Awesome. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. So don't send, you send me a lot of emails. You can send the emails directly to there Lee, go. and then I don't have to be in the middle. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us today and uh, allowing us to hear your story. And we really appreciate you oh, uh, being here. Thank you so much, Lee. And that is it for Unconference. Please subscribe to Unconference wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss a single moment. And give us a five-star rating and review. You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Unconference Podcast. You can also follow me individually on Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Hikes. And then you can follow the conference at designplusdiversity.com. That's designplusplusdiversity.com. 